Hi, and welcome to another episode of Creeps and Crime Storytime. My name is Charlie. My name is Sophie. And we are two sisters. We love crime, we love creepy things, and we're going to be telling you a story today. Now, the last time that we talked, mm-hmm. I said that I was going to be covering the case, most likely, of Susan Cox Powell. Mm, yes. And Sophie was, you sound very like formal news presenter today. I am ready. So I she, am She just ready. was next to me, like my co-anchor, <laughs> like, mm, yes. <laughs> and how do you feel about, yeah. But, um, so yeah, I have been digging and I think... I really hope I've got some things about this case that you don't know. You you will do. I really hope so. I've missed um, this. Everyone else has missed this. We've missed you. Oh. We have. It's, it's true. good to be back. I can it's hear them all agreeing back. with me now. Um, yeah. So, should we just get started right away? Yes, 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 yes. Let's, Let's get started. Go. So, our story today is going to be about Susan Cox Powell. Yes. Susan is the third daughter to Chuck and Judy Powell. And if that isn't the most wholesome mom and pop names you've ever heard... I don't know what they to say. They are adorable. Chuck and Judy. Chuck. And Chuck. Judy. That is so They're, cute. They just sound really cute Chuck, and wholesome. get in and... my pocket because you're in my heart already. <laughs> is he a good dad? He's a good dad. He's a good He's dad. He's a fucking good we dad. We love a good dad. Yeah. And she, by all accounts, is a great mom. Oh. A really good, wholesome, loving couple. Um, just amazing parents. Um... I'm already lost. I'm only on the third line. Um, from all accounts, she had a loving childhood, living first with her family in New Mexico, and then they all moved to Alaska together for a few years. Ooh. So they really traveled that's, around. That's a good distance. That's Yeah, so they went from one end to the other. Eventually, though, they settled in Washington State, where Susan grew up. Susan is described by almost everyone as being energetic, uplifting, and the kind of person who makes the best out of any situation. Mm. So the kind of person you really want to be like i find and the kind of person you really want to be friends with naturally are always a good influence as well yeah she's very much a good always. influence kind of person like the more i got yeah. to know about susan the more i was like wow she just she does everything for a good reason mm, she's amazing yeah she's amazing susan and her family are members of the church of jesus christ of the latter-day saints or mormon Ooh. Um, and they are deeply devoted to their faith now, Susan grew up to be an incredible wife and mother. You know how some people are just supposed to be parents? Yes. Like, some people just have a thing where they know that's what they want and it's the most important thing in their whole life. Susan had that thing. Wow. And she had two sons who mean more to her than anything in the world. Now we have introduced Susan Cox, I want to draw attention to the other players in this story. The Powell family are made up of Stephen Terry Powell and their five children, Jenny... Josh, Johnny, Michael, and Alina. The couple were together for almost 20 years. Wow. They started dating and they got married in 1973. So it was very quick. They literally got to know each other and then bam, married. Okay. Which I find bonkers. It's I literally had the opposite of that. You did? Like, literally the opposite. You met and then... (laughs) Lifetimes. And then weeds. (laughs) And then marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, You're a wife now. I'm a wife now. And a wedding ring on. It took, yeah. It's gorgeous, guys. We're about to have our 16th anniversary in a few weeks, and we've only just got married. In it's a few good weeks, timing. in a few months. Look, it's been <laughs> it's been a day. Um, oh, it has. <laughs> 
The couple were together for almost 20 years. They started dating and got married in 1973 and their first child, Jenny, following shortly after they got married in 1974. Can I just wind back a bit? Yeah. Is Terry a woman's name? Yes. Because it sounds like a man's name. Terry can be a man's name, but this is Terry with an I. Oh, like an American Terry. It's an... This is American. I know. Yeah. So, um... (laughs) So, they had Jenny in 1974. So, they got married in 1973. Mm. They... Well, no. They started dating in 1973. They got married the same year. And then literally the next year they had a child. So this whole thing is just going super fast. And it didn't slow down because Josh, who's their eldest son, came after that in 1976. And then Johnny was born in 1977. So that's just a lot of like... That's a lot of... It's a lot of huge life decisions made all in one go. It's a lot of pushing out. They had five years break between Johnny being born and Michael, who was born in 1982. And lastly, Alina in 1985. And it turned out that 1985 would be quite an eventful year for the Powells. Ooh. So Terry and Steve found out that in 1985, they began to experience some marital difficulties. Uh-oh. Steve had been pulling himself further and further away from the Church of the Latter-day Saints, and Terry couldn't abide by it any longer. Mm. She was really religious. She was a woman of dedicated faith. And as her husband drifted away from the church, she drifted away from him. Do we know why he drifted away? Well... Oh, <laughs> it's never good when you say that. You look at me like, oh, yes. <laughs> well, we do know why. I know why. And you're about to know why. Oh, fuck, guys. <laughs> I know. I'm nervous now. So it was around the time of their divorce when Terry found a journal that Steve had been keeping. Oh, tell me more. I am going to tell you more. He was an avid writer. Lots of members of the Powell family journaled almost constantly about wow. everything. And we'll get into journals later on because That's journals become a huge part of this Kind case. of incredible. Yeah. And I so... don't mean... So this particular journal was not one of his what? usual daily diaries about what he ate for breakfast that day or what he thought of the new guy at work. No, no. No. No, no. no this no. journal was much more personal. Ooh. This book was filled with hundreds of handwritten pages obsessing over a mutual friend of the Powells, a married woman who has not been publicly identified. Oh. The journal was dated and Terry could see that Steve had been writing in it for over two years. <laughs> that is something to find out. Yeah. In yeah, like, so probably she's holding this, right? Yeah, so in basically with the dates, the way it works is that oh. it would have been a little bit after Michael was born in 1982. You'd he started, be remembering everything. And so literally just after Michael oh. was born, he started obsessing over this woman who was like their mutual friend. That's awful. Yeah, it's really shitty. Um, the detailed pages revealed how Steve had fantasies about the woman's husband dying in some way. And that if that were the case, Steve would take her as his extra wife. That's incredibly like, extreme. Like he and would bold just to have an extra take wife. her as a plus one wife. Piece of shit. Like bold doesn't even begin. It's an understatement. Yeah. Oh, and the kids, of course, they would all be absorbed into one big family where he's the boss and takes wives if he feels like it. Oh, of course he'd be the boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's like the patriarch. He's like, oh yeah, I'll just take as many wives as I want. And yeah, I'll raise these kids because they're mine now. It's like, I saw a meme the other day about these two, like, and it had these two women flying Mm. a plane (laughs) and it showed the view out of this plane was this like gorgeous vista and the caption was like, on our way to find like where man, like where men have the audacity. Yeah. And it's, it's going to take a long time. Yeah. It's going to be real high up to see for a while. To top it all off. Oh fuck. What? Is if this wouldn't be stressful enough. Is he written about his penis? 
No, Terry would be eight months pregnant with their fifth and youngest child when she found one of the creepiest journals ever written. Oh my god. She was eight months pregnant when she found this. I'm worried for that baby. You don't want to get I've never been pregnant, but I know that when I'm on my period, like, I get so hormonal, stressed, angry, emotional. You do. I can back this up. I... Thanks. I cannot even (laughs) imagine how much that would be magnified by pregnancy and then having something like this happen. I cannot even comprehend how that would feel. And I feel so bad for Terry. I just, it's terrible. The thing is, if anyone is actually curious, it doesn't seem as though anything ever physically actually happened between Steve and this friend. Oh, Like, it wasn't like they ever hooked up and then he got obsessed. He didn't seem to cheat on Terry. He was just obsessed yeah. over her. I mean, it sounds like oh, it's yes. very one way. Yeah. yeah. And in his head. And, and he fantasized about her all the time. And he documented every one of his weird thoughts. That extra step to document yeah. it so is the documentation what me out is the something most. that we are going to see again. Ooh. It's a pattern that he has. So, Steve, I'm going to talk about this later. Like, mm. I'm going to talk about this a lot. But Steve documents everything. So he will, like, write it down in journals. He's got, like, loads of full spiral-bound notebooks that are just diaries of everything he's done that day. Everything he's thinking. You know, because there is something bouncing around between his ears. Like, he's got, like, a couple of brain cells. It sounds like he's just... Yeah, and he just constantly writes about his life. And it's not as if he's got, like, a really thrilling life. No. But he just needs to document everything. And then as technology gets better, he starts, mm. like, video recording himself, just oh. talking about his day, talking about what he's done. And it becomes a constant... Literally, I'm not just using this word as, like, an extra, but he mm. constantly is doing this. Wow. And it's... Steve is... You, you'll see as we go through that Steve is a full-on narcissist. and the fact that he's documenting so much of his life, he obviously feels like it's so important. Yeah, the focus is on him. Yeah, because he is so important, so he has to document all this stuff. And I'm not even at the end of the first page yet. I'm not even at the end. Can Can you tell me now? Because I'm curious. Does he ever watch this stuff back? Oh, yes. Really? Oh, Oh, what have I just like? Knocked? Oh, I've knocked on a door here. <laughs> You've knocked on a door. Oops. But Can whatever's inside is not ready to open the door yet. Oh fuck! I, I, I'm shaking the he door. He's not ready. There's a handle, and it's there's locked. a handle, and the door is locked right now. There's a sign. But you on can it. hear there's like the deadbolt is like slowly. <laughs> it's eating its way back, but it's not ready yet. Oh, you're gonna have to wait. Okay, you have to wait. But I'll wait patiently. You will. Although I don't know if I want this. that door is gonna be. Oh, it's gonna be open. Like, why is it locked? That's always oh. a red flag. If a door oh. is locked, oh, I'm gonna shuffle my pages. Oh shit, she's patient. Right, last paragraph in the first page. We Let's can get go. through this. Do it. There's 14 pages. We're fucked. <laughs> so it was somewhere around this time that mm. Steve began to exhibit inappropriate behaviour towards his eldest daughter, Jenny. No. Throw the whole man away. <laughs> no. Put we him need, in the bin. I wish we could. Oh, I wish we could. Too. I wish we could. I think if I had the capabilities to to go back in time, just mm. just abort this man. Yeah. Just Yeah. Just kick him into the bin. Just yeet him out of existence. And mm-hmm. nothing... You, you know how you hear about 
like if, you know if you go back in time and meddle with things yeah you'll come back and everything will be fucked up mm-hmm. if we went back in time and got rid of steve powell so that he was never born i don't think everything would be fine no i do think the world would be in ruins yeah i think everything would be great yeah the thing is the eldest daughter jenny she is the only one of the powell family that is a good person and we'll find out that she is a really good person so that if we yeeted steve so that he never existed we wouldn't have her and Mm. she's really good so maybe we just yeet him out of existence as soon as she's born yes yeet steve keep her yeah that's why i think that's how i feel that's a good way to so yeah we're going i think i'm stalling because i know how awful (laughs) this is and i'm gonna have to talk about it i've done this to myself it's all right we'll all know soon oh my god so i haven't referenced yet there is an incredible podcast called cold and part of it's available everywhere but the later episodes are only available on amazon podcasts this is not a plug this no the guy that does this podcast doesn't even know i exist but i really recommend that if you want a deep dive on this case like a real deep fucking dive listen to that podcast because it's done by a journalist called dave corley and he's done a fucking amazing job Uh. researching and dedicating a lot of his time to this case and you can tell that he's dedicated like years to the research and everything and it's oh he has sources coming out of his butthole like thank you for sharing your sources he has done an amazing job and i've got some journal transcripts which i'm going to be quoting throughout the the episode that are from there um i've got those journal transcripts from cold i've got some from cnn i've got some from yeah a few different places but Mm. like a lot of the information that's more specific and more niche is from cold Mm. um so yeah dave Colley did a fucking bang up job thank you dave thank you dave if you ever hear this you are wonderful and (laughs) i hope senpai notices me so so like we said steve is an obsessive journaler Mm -hmm. he journals everything in a wirebound notebook dated so we're gonna skip now to the 18th of may 2005 i really thought you were gonna say the 1800s (laughs) no 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 no. it threw me off so in 2005 he wrote in a journal about something he remembered oh so we're gonna read something he wrote in 2005 but Mm -hmm. he wrote it reminiscing about 1985 okay he recalls fond memories of time spent with his eldest daughter back around the time of 85 jenny would have been 11 years old at this point steve wrote quote i remember many times sitting at the breakfast bar in our home when she would come into the kitchen in the morning dressed in a t-shirt and panties that would drive me nuts we went on a trip one time, just the two of us, and she wandered around our hotel room in nothing more than a bra and panties. End quote. I actually want to be sick. I bit. am disgusted. I actually the unbelief. Feel sick Is any if anyone's that. driving, well, listen to this. Pull just over. Pull over. Throw and up. vomit. Like yeah. Get just, it out your system. Get it out responsibly. Just, oh man. I actually feel what a sick. creep to reminisce about that. Yeah, never um, mind thinking about it. But the, the first fact time is, like, like this is, is gross. twenty years later, and it was yeah. still in his head enough yeah. where he needed to get it out on paper. Um, he didn't just eyeball his daughter though; he oh, also no, no, showed no, no. her pornography. In a later interview with the Salt Lake City Tribune, Jenny actually discussed her father watching porn while on that business trip that they went on. Oh, just God. the two of them. Yeah. Steve had put it on the TV in the hotel bedroom while Jenny was sat with him. And she said, quote, looking back, I wonder if he was willing to do that with a 10 to 12-year-old girl, his daughter, in the room, what else would he be willing to do, end quote. You would worry about that. Yeah, yeah of course. It's, yeah. Her question is very poignant. 
especially after reading the journals in which he openly lusts after her as a child. As his other children grew, he began to show problematic behaviour towards them too. When his youngest children, Michael and Alina, were eight and six years old, he showed them books about sexual intercourse. As evidenced by his desire to take the woman he was friends with and stalking as an extra wife without her consent, he clearly believed that he was entitled to sex. I don't know about you, but I am definitely picking up some major incel vibes from this dude. Yes. Like... I am I'm stunned in a bad way. Yeah. Which is why I've gone quiet, because I have my vocabulary's abandoned me. <laughs> yeah. It's walked like, out. It's gone. It's like it nah. hates this guy. It's like, it's like, like ugh. I'm not about it. To do this. Um yeah, apologies. So, I'm still here mentally. <laughs> we're a page and a half. Yay! Fourteen more pages. <laughs> Whatever the fuck. Yeah, I'm getting some major insult vibes though. Yes, it's very deluded and it's escalating and it's all concerning. Yeah, because it's, it's extending disgusting. to it's, his it's other children. It's the entitlement. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's I am just gonna have this. I, I can do this because yeah. I want it. Like I deserve it. this because I'm a man so. and this is what men do and this mm. is my family, not the family that I love, but yeah. it's my family that are owned by me. These children are mine. My things. Yeah, it's... Too uh, lost after. Disgusting. So Steve Powell believed that people were simply animals and should be able to have sex with anyone at any time they pleased. Can't see my face, but what the fuck? Yeah, it's... Fuck! Why? Why why did you tell me that? It's... Animals? Children are animals? Human children are animals? Yeah, he thinks that his children are animals and he is an animal. So if animals in the wild just mate with each other when they feel like it, he believes that he should be able to do that too. Okay. I, I mean, you can't see, but Sophie just looks like she's done already. I we are fucking We're done. 18 minutes into recording and Sophie's had enough. <laughs> she's had enough. Girl, strap in. <laughs> There's so much. This is an imaginary seatbelt. Yeah, uh, I know. I don't have a real Yeah, one. but they don't know. We're not in the car. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the house. He unfortunately passed this cursed worldview onto his sons. Oh, fuck. Don't. So Terry recalled a conversation she'd been present for between her sons Johnny and Josh and their father. Josh was speaking about a girl that Johnny was interested in and he turned and said to his dad, all she's good for is her body, right dad? And Steve replied, yeah, that's right. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Underline yeah. that ew. Because, ew. Yeah. No. I can't see this getting any better, to be quite oh, honest. Doesn't. Like it every it aspect just, of this so far, it, it's all kids are disgusting, from the start. and it just keeps getting worse. Mm. It's one of those when you know, like you just you can't look away from a train crash, but you can't do anything about it either. Mm. It's very much like that. What's his name again? Steve. Steve. It's time Steve to delete Powell. Steve. It's, let's delete Steve. Let's yeet Steve. Get him out of here. So, unsurprisingly. Steve also had an unhealthy relationship with pornography. Now, I'm just going to make it clear right now, like, for me personally, that I am not shaming anyone who watches porn. Yeah, it's no biggie. Like, that itself is not something that, like, I have a personal issue with because it can be an extremely healthy thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be, potentially. Uh, But this was not it. Steve's obsession with porn is not a normal person's healthy enjoyment of porn they're two completely different things he was obsessed he would watch it in front of his children he would talk about it with his children and it was enough of a constant thing in their house that it was just a present thing all the time 
he was obsessed yeah. um in 1992 his wife terry had had enough of his shit and filed for divorce Good. Um, yeah. Good. There was a bitter custody battle during which they both tried to make the other look as bad as possible. We imagine that this was quite easy for Terry to do, um, mm, as her ex-husband yes. is literally an animated sack of weak old garbage and human <laughs> skin. But Steve fired back as best he could as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the divorce documents, Steve paints Terry as a religious fanatic and a witch. He tried to oh. turn their children against their mother, telling them in the court that she quote had visions of evil spirits and visitations by spirits and came to really believe in them, end quote. I mean, I don't think that's quite so bad. Personally, being a witch, there's, like, worse things, like, I don't know, a porn-addicted pedo. Like, you could be that. Um, Personally, also, I don't believe that for a minute. I don't believe that she was a religious fanatic, but I do believe that Steve Powell couldn't stand his wife empowering herself enough to leave him, and he made up a bunch of bullshit about her. Absolutely. I 1,000% think that. I agree with that. However, Terry continued her truth rampage against Gross Steve. She detailed in court about his desires to take multiple wives, his ideas about (laughs) people mating like animals, and his long-term fantasies about women who had no idea they were being watched. The couple were living separately from one another now, and in a 1993 court declaration, Terry revealed how she was worried about the welfare of her youngest child, Alina. After her visit to her dad's for Christmas in 1992, Terry found a porn magazine in a little girl's backpack. Oh, God. Don't tell me he hid it there so he could, like, get into the room. Is that what that is? Or is he like, you should read this. I'm going to go into it. Would you like to know? Fuck. I've just opened a door. You've opened a door. I've opened the fucking door. I mean, door. this is just the a lock little fell off. Like, the lock fell off. It, it just, I just touched off. it. It yeah. fell off in my hand. I didn't do that. Sorry, guys. Right. Um, so, quote, when I asked Alina about it, this is what she said. I laid down upon my bed in my dad's room and felt something under my pillow. No. It was that magazine. I was upset when I saw what it was and didn't want anyone to see me with it, so I shoved it in my backpack. I hoped I could throw it away before anyone saw it. End quote. That is so sad. Alina would have been seven years old at this point. That's traumatizing. Yeah. To a child. Oh, fully. 1,000%. Um, seven. Yeah. She was seven. That's tiny. That is... That's tiny. She's a fucking baby. You're like three and years seven, off, like, learning how to walk confidently. She's tiny. You only learned how to walk confidently when you were four? Probably. Oh my god. I'm weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm delayed. Um, yeah, it was two weeks late. No, I meant in, you know what, never mind. <laughs> so I'm just going to derail your thought for a moment. What was Steve doing with a porn magazine in her bed? He's a pedo. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, what he, he was doing. So also he had a porn magazine in her bed. Yeah. And that bed was in his room. He was probably on that bed with it doing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just there's incredibly immoral things. It, yeah. There's a lot of questions here and all the potential answers are horrible. I'm kind of glad a seven-year-old wouldn't have had the forethought to think, like, what condition is this bed in and why is it like this? I mean, it feels like it's used. Maybe, I mean, yeah, she wouldn't have known, she wouldn't have had the context to think of those things, but Mm -hmm. it definitely, she knew enough that it made her deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. And that is so tragic and sad. And I hate that. (sighs) So, anyway. When Jennifer was 14 years old, she moved out to live with her mother. Jennifer has commented since then that her father had bizarre and cruel punishments that she wanted to escape from. For example, any children who wet the bed were then made to take baths in icy water and he would pull her hair during arguments. 
Jennifer is the only one of the Powell children who has ever shown any independent thought, common sense, and decency. In my opinion, the rest of them are brainwashed and don't have any empathy for anyone outside of the Powell family. That word was on the edge of my tongue. Yeah. Brainwashed yeah. completely. Like, they are all brainwashed. I think it's it's a tough one because I think if these people, if, if these children didn't have Steve as their dad, mm-hmm. I think they all would have grown up totally differently and totally normally. Yeah. However, there comes a point like when you're an adult and you can think for yourself, you need to make the right choices. You do. Admittedly, that's incredibly difficult to do if you've only ever been taught the wrong things. Mm-hmm. But Jennifer did it. She did. And if she Jennifer could the do it, then... I just wish the rest of them were able to do it as well. Yeah. Because they didn't. They did They did not. Do we find that out? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Mm. Um, so in 1994, Jennifer married her husband, Kurt Graves, in Portland, Oregon. There is a big LDS temple there, and it's also mm. 147 miles away from Puyallup and her dad. She told her father not to attend the reception as she was too good for his crap, but he showed up anyway. After this stunt, the pair moved to Utah, which is 912 miles away from Puyallup and a 13-hour drive. He's going mean, to drive that, isn't he? But that says a lot. It, yeah, it The does. fact that she moved almost a 1,000 miles away. And moving isn't cheap, either. It's not like, cheap. It, it's not easy. It takes a lot of yeah. resources and to be able to move. Yeah. Um, but That's yeah, so she, she did it. Um, his eldest son, Josh, is the polar opposite of Jennifer. Wow where she is open-minded enough to discuss the shitty way that her father treated them and his obvious abhorrent attitudes towards sex, Mm. Josh is not. This is obvious in his comments about women as a young boy, as detailed by his mother, and he always denied that Steve had behaved inappropriately in any way. Mm. While all of the Powell offspring are interesting and pop up during the story, it's Josh that we're going to be focusing our gaze on. Okay. So taking a closer look at the 1993 court documents and the divorce proceedings, Terry detailed how Josh had a lot of problems that she believed stemmed from the unhealthy way that Steve treated his sons. In 1989, when Josh was only 13 years old, he threatened his mother with a butcher knife. My jaw dropped. Yeah. You're, like, 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 I was like, Sophie what the was fuck? very quiet and her mouth actually just opened. <laughs> it just like, did it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Terry had asked her belly teenage son to do the dishes after dinner. Yeah. And later wow. wrote of the incident, okay. "quote I felt extreme fear when Josh made a veiled threat at me with a butcher knife in his hand. His demeanor was menacing for a moment as he said, "Don't push it, mom." I was terrified and left the room to go downstairs." End quote. Did his dad put him in an ice bath? Um, no, I think that was fine. Mm, yeah, um, horribly. Yeah, because, I mean, it's only just, like, you know, a woman, and it's fine. The person that you've made this family with? Yeah, it's oh. fine. Mm. So, in addition to these alarming accounts, he does tick one of the old serial killer boxes as a child. So, do you know what the McDonald's triad is? No. Oh, okay. So I mean, I the, may know the things. You, you but may I don't know, know it's called. Yeah. That. So there's a there's a thing yeah. called the McDonald Triad, and okay. it's basically three problematic behaviors that you see in young people mm-hmm. that can hint towards whether or not they may exhibit violent tendencies as adults. I think I have two of them. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Fire. Yeah. Animal abuse. Yes. The third one is wetting the bed. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when that carries on later in childhood, yeah, yeah. I, d- I don't mean like wetting the bad as like a toddler. I mean like no, if you're like yeah. a young person, like you, you know, like a like an older child or a teenager, and it's mm. like a chronic every night something's mm-hmm. going on kind of thing. Not yeah. like you know having an accident like once. No, that's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's called the McDonald Triad. Ooh. Is it named after the person that maybe? Uh, I assume saw consistencies. So. I assume, that. yeah, I assume it's down to the to the doctor that discovered that in the first place. That's really cool. Yeah. So we already we already know that bedwetting might have been a thing because the punishment was ice baths. So yeah. I can only assume that it happened a lot, uh, which is not surprising because all these children were mentally abused by Steve. They were. That's rough. It's yeah. Um, but what other characteristic of the McDonald Triad do you think that Josh started to exhibit? Just, just, I'm just, just curious as to whether you can guess. You've got a fifty-fifty chance. I think animal abuse because they probably, if they're like a, a big family like this, they probably have a pet. You are correct. Oh shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Does the dog die or the cat? Um, Terry also details in these documents how her eldest son killed Alina's pet gerbils. Oh, gerbils! Tiny gerbils. No, you hold them in your hands and you're careful with them. And you give them little kisses. And, yeah, and little. Yeah. I love you. Yeah, not, no. Not he killed death. them. Yeah, what a death. piece of shit. Fucking Threw piece the of child shit. away. Bye. If that wasn't enough, he made his four-year-old baby sister touch the blood from her beloved pets. That's awful. It's fucking disgusting. When me and Charlie were tiny and we had hamsters. Oh my God, we're even smaller than babies. When they passed. Oh. Our dad had us put them in boxes, but it was, it was teaching us helpfully healthily even about death and how it yeah. happens to all animals but it was with respect oh yeah a lot of respect and we you gave know, them we little them funerals little boxes and we put little flowers and we in drew on them. the boxes yeah do you remember yeah i do yeah yeah and it was very it was very important and it was responsible but yeah no not this, not this guy, guy. Not is this completely guy. fucked yeah completely um no how it wasn't he? only his mother who revealed this troubling past because jenny also attested to his animal abuse she said quote Josh for, Josh, for some reason, had pleasure in killing small animals. We had multiple sets of gerbils growing up, and he, for some reason, enjoyed killing the little babies. End quote. One, they shouldn't have to stop buying pets, but I hope they did. Mm. And two, is why is he not is he not getting punished for this? I have no idea. If this was my kid, I'm sorry, he would be smack silly. What you been <laughs> killing? Oh Don't kill I'm other things. I'm pretty sure that like. Don't do it. I'm pretty sure that like Steve did smack him silly a lot like but at the wrong times yeah i don't know so i feel not, as though yeah this you you don't need to be like smacked for this you need like therapy for yeah this. you need therapy therapy you need is probably help. better solution yeah i think therapist I is a better solution to like punching your child but i mean i, I totally <laughs> Yeah, what you're saying. Like, okay, like, I probably want to like met, bring it back. Like, like if stop. I met Josh Powell now, yeah, I would absolutely punch this guy as an adult. Yeah, but I don't think I'd chair punch me. a ten-year-old. But okay, I, I, ten-year-old. You know what? I think about it. I think it's because I know where this ten-year-old goes. Yeah, I think that. I yeah. think that's where the underlying anger is. Um, I mean, all of this is all different kinds of horrific. All it of is. this is just a ginormous shit show, but it gets worse. <laughs> Sophie looks like she's I had enough. Beat. <laughs> slowly. <laughs> Very slowly. Um, in the 1993 divorce documents, Terry states that she once walked in on Josh and Jenny, quote, examining Alina. Remind me 
their siblings. Yeah, so Josh and John yeah. are the two oldest boys, mm. and they were examining so their baby sister. They're brothers, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. okay. Get these kids off therapy. Separately. Separately? Separately. Separately. Just like Bye. separate countries. Like, yeah, definitely. One of them like on the moon or something. <laughs> into the sun. <laughs> Steve goes into the sun. Yeah, he can go into the Steve sun. Steve gets sent into the sun. Sizzle. Sizzle, sizzle, motherfucker. Mm. If anyone needs to pause this to be sick, I totally understand. Definitely. I'm right here emotionally throwing up along with you. Take a breather, have some water, something. Have anything. some water. It's absolutely it's, okay. Yeah. So despite doing horrific and awful things to his pets and younger siblings, mm. Josh, I mean, I think Josh was also undoubtedly traumatized by his disgusting father and his weird punishments. Oh, for sure. And when the boy was 14 years old, he tried to hang himself. Oh. Yeah. Now that is sad. Yeah. I'll I'll be completely honest and yeah, not like it's, it's horrific you for, for he someone didn't deserve to feel like you've got to take your own life. I mean, a fourteen-year-old, you're still such a child at that you're age. Really you, young. At fourteen, you don't feel like a child anymore. No, but you are very much still a child. Mm-hmm. And for someone who is that young to try and end their own life is horrific and awful. It is. Um, he survived, obviously, with a rope burn on his neck, and this Oof. was the point that Terry had had enough and made him get counselling. Yay! Which was a fantastic idea, but kind of a little bit too late. And I don't think it lasted long anyway, because yeah. Josh didn't do anything he didn't want to do. Um, so, yeah. Terry told the court that both Josh and John, her two elder sons, had hit her in the past. So they'd be on their own mother. Oh, my God. Um, Steve said that she was, quote, telling stories, end quote. He needs the son. Yep, I know. He does. He's be sent into the sun. Fuck this. Jennifer, Michael, and Alina ended up living with Terry, and the two older boys lived with their father. Oh, so that's why they get worse because they're they're with the they're with him. Yeah, I mean, in the end, Mm. both Michael and Alina end up going back to live with their dad too. Oh, yeah. They they all drift back. It's really it's really awful. Um, Josh didn't seem to realize that all of the problems in his family were due to his creepy, predatory, and abusive father. Mm. He blamed his mother for everything that was wrong, criticizing her for his time spent at therapy, and writing in a letter to a friend that quote I kind of would like my mom to be dead. End quote. Wow. Okay, I can I can understand his perspective on that because. He's probably very used to his dad encouraging that and behaving yeah. the same way. So yeah. for that, yeah. that so, for him makes life easier and then it becomes a default. Yeah. And you become so immersed in that with a young brain. Yeah, absolutely. It, his brain yeah. is so malleable right now and impressionable. Um, and he's seeing Steve get away with all of this. Exactly. And having so much like authority and power. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh is like, yeah, I want that too. And as the kids are getting and he's older, just going for it. Um, technology's getting more advanced yeah. probably i'm not sure what year this is in now is uh, it... this is 1993 93 yeah okay so uh yeah oh we're gonna go there. walkmans are out walkmans are out are they so uh, probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably um so josh mirrored gross steve's weird obsession with cataloging everything he did in a day and how he felt about it he started this habit by writing journals and then moved on to audio and video diaries. Oh! Yeah. So <laughs> this is a territory that his dad also moved into, but we will get to that later. Oh, we will get to that later. 
We don't have a choice, guys. We are getting you to that later. You guys do not have a choice. We are getting to that later. Oh, get a sick bucket Don't look ready. forward to it. Don't eat before it. Don't eat before it. I'm it's not going to. awful. Something, however, that is interesting to know about a lot of these recordings is mm. that they're all about him. I'm not sure. Obviously, it's his recordings. It's his, like, like when you write a diary, you're kind of writing about what yeah. you've done, how you feel about things. It's a lot of self-reflection. Exactly. So that part of that makes sense. Mm. But he doesn't seem to ever wonder about what other people want or think. He doesn't really even talk much about other people apart from being creepy. Um, mm. He thinks he's really fucking special and he thinks that he's better than everyone else. And Dave Qualley, the man behind the Cold series, sat down with Matt Woolley, who's a bit of a psychology expert. And the discussion about his narcissism and self-aggrandizing was super interesting in relation to these journals. I was going to say, this is actually interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I really recommend, again, I cannot recommend enough that if you are interested in this case and these fucking collection of horrible weirdos listen to it because there's so much. It's so detailed and so deep and it's fascinating in like a horrible way. Yeah. But fascinating nonetheless. Mm. One of these audio journals, and honestly, probably a lot more than just one, let's be honest, has Josh discussing his troubles finding a girlfriend. This was recorded in December 2000, when Josh was 24 years old. Quote. (laughs) Quote. Shut up. Stop laughing at Josh and let me quote. I sometimes have difficulty finding girls who are willing to return my phone calls, go out with me, don't laugh. Sorry, sorry. I've had, over the last uh, three or four months... I've called a number of girls who never returned my phone calls or who always said they were too busy to go out with me. Sometimes I feel like I can't reach girls anywhere, that for some reason or another, they won't give me the um, a chance to even go out with them, end quote. Like, I can relate to that, but he probably has this experience <laughs> I mean, on some level, because he is a fucking weirdo. Exactly. So just like his dad, mm-hmm. this seems super incel-ish. Y- so yes, firstly, yes. he definitely seems as though getting a girlfriend is a really important part of his life at the moment. That's a priority. He seems mm. as though obtaining the girlfriend, like, like the girl is a rare item that he wants to get, is yeah. the priority for him. Mm-hmm. It's not about enjoying having a meaningful relationship with someone nope. he wants to have a connection with. It's about having that's all he's seen, isn't That's it? That's all he's seen and it's all he wants. And secondly, it's the attitude that I feel like women listening to this are going to pick up on because we've all faced it. Yeah. That to me, at least, he seems as though he feels he is entitled to a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. The way he laments that no girl will give him a chance. Why should she? Why should any person give another person time that they aren't interested in giving away? I've got a thought. Yeah. I would like to voice it. Uh-huh. I don't want to interrupt you. You did, though. Politely. <laughs> <laughs> He's 24. He's 24. He learned all this shit when he was a teenager, right? Yeah, yeah. There are many things you go through in adolescenthood that you grow out of. You meet other people, you go places, yeah. and you kind of change. Aspects of your thoughts change, and he hasn't done that. No, he hasn't. So this is what I was saying They've earlier about Jennifer, is that Jennifer... Worse sort of had a lot of independent thought as a child but then Mm -hmm. as she grew into an adult she learned that what steve was doing was bad and then carried on her own way and Mm -hmm. came up with her own thoughts and feelings josh never did that he saw what steve was doing he liked it yeah and then he stayed with it and all the way through his adolescence him becoming like a young adult Mm-hmm. and now he's in his 20s and he is still like yeah that's right i like that that's the direction i want my life to go in it benefits me I'll do it, it benefits me i'll do it. exactly <sighs> um 
but nobody is owed another person no and it's it's a lot of the things that like you still see if you read like screenshots of things that like incels post and shit like that it's the same stuff that you are seeing all the time and it's so narcissistic it's also frustrating to me that he's a 24 year old young man yeah referring to these girls as girls and not women why are they girls because he's a fucking predator yeah from the same audio journal he also talks about how he wants and expects a girlfriend to behave I definitely feel like he would be one of those online incels who make up lists of perfect girlfriend will have and do this, etc, etc. Have you seen them? Like, have... My ideal girlfriend will be skinny but eat a lot. She'll wear nice makeup, she'll clean my house, cook my food, smell good, have big boobies, etc. And weigh 114 pounds and it's like, why does that Yeah, happen? yeah, So he would be one of those guys. Like, yeah, he would absolutely be one of those guys. If he was this age but like in this present day, yeah, 1000% he would be one of them. Anyway, sorry, I'm going off on a big insult rant. I no, hate insults. When it comes to how he wants to be treated, he says the following. Quote, I was feeling like I might have too difficult a time finding someone who will treat me the way I want to be treated. I do need to be treated well. That's probably one of the most important considerations in relationships. End quote. You know, I think I can compromise on that. What's and that? I'd put him in the bin. Put him in the bin, yeah. So according to Josh Powell, him being treated well is one of the most important things in a relationship. Well, as a general statement, you do want to be treated well in a relationship. Yeah, but, but the way he describes what well is... I mean, you don't know what off. he thinks well it's is. Not gonna be, it's not going to be... It's not going to be good. No, no it's not. No, um, don't give me that shit. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that how he wants to be treated mm-hmm. is one of the most important things in a relationship. It's just, I mean, it says everything you need to know about him. It shouldn't be centered around Is that upside down? Look, I just, I tried to put oh. on both sides. One of them was upside down, but it's fine. Anyway, he <laughs> really is like a horrid little miniature version of his gross dad. Oh, shit. But according to Josh Powell, what is being treated well? So you got to my question before I got there. I am so sorry. No, 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 it's fine because it was a nice little segue. Big brains. Um, unfortunately, Susan Cox ticked all the boxes for him. Oh. And we're going to find out why. But before we do, mm-hmm. we're going to look into another girl that Josh dated, a girl that came before Susan Cox. Oh. Almost three years before he met his future wife and his future victim, he met Catherine Terry. I don't think I know this. No, I don't think you do either. I don't recognise that name. No, well, you're, you're going to. Um, <sighs> I hope she's okay. She's okay. Good, she if escaped that makes him, that's you feel, she's, it, it she, brings yeah. a lot of comfort. So Catherine had also grown up in the Church of the Latter-day Saints and lived with her family in Spokane, Washington. Is it Spokane or Spokane? Let's see. There. Ooh, Spokane, like propane. <laughs> <laughs> I want to set this guy alight, okay? Spok- I think I've heard it's it said like same. Spokane. I Shall think. we do a Google? I can't be bothered because I've said it now. <laughs> So anyway, I mean, if I've got it right, I've said it two different ways. One of them is probably going to be right. And it's all right to be corrected. And it's fine. So they met at a singles ward, which is a church group for unmarried Mormons. That's really cute. It's kind of wholesome. Um, She was 19 at this point and Josh was 22. And they got together really quickly and Catherine moved in with Josh and Gross Dad Steve. What? To move in? No. With Josh and Gross Dad Steve. No, 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 no. Get her out. No. No, that's not how this goes. So, because Josh was a little man baby with no responsibilities, (laughs) he spent money constantly. He would just blow it on drunk he didn't need, and when he had gone through his own cash, he would just spend Catherine's. That's rude of him. It's so... So, is he still wetting the bed at this point? (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe? He just on his side of the he bed. He didn't confess to that in any of his audio journals if he does wet the bed constantly. But you know what? I wouldn't even be surprised. Um, kind of deserves it. But yeah, so he would spend Catherine's money and she let him because she felt so strongly for him. Even at this young yeah. age, Josh was incredibly financially controlling. Yeah. And we are going to see this. Mm. This is a behaviour pattern that he just keeps rolling with. It's a constant thing. It's a constant thing. It's a way of life. Um, and his entitlement meant that he felt as though he deserved and had a right to everything that Catherine had. Mm-hmm. She, this is infuriating, by the way. Oh, like, fuck. I yeah. am so mad. I hate him so much. <laughs> she signed up for community college in autumn of 1998. And when she got her student loan payment, Josh deposited the check into his bank account. She never got a cent of the money, and she told the Cold podcast that she oh. still has debt on that loan to this <gasps> day. No, right. I remember when you went to uni. Uh huh. And you were sorting out your student loan shit. Yeah. And you were like, ah! About it, it the first year, it was so stressful, but then yeah. you got it and you're like, oh, uh, yeah. And then relieved. And you were so far away from home. Yeah. And I was relieved. And you had that, that card for food with, with a picture of beans on it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I remember that. I was like, your bean card. Yeah, my bean <laughs> card. And it was, it was so nice, but that money had gone to you. Yeah. Imagining her, like, being whatever feeling about selling up money. And then none of Josh, it going to her. Just yeah. poof, immediately um, to him. Yeah. I'm furious. He also... Fucking furious. He also cashed every one of her paychecks from her part-time job into his account. Fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. Absolutely not. Just... I hate no. him so much. Whenever um, I get a mortgage somewhere, I'm having it all in my name. I don't care well, who yeah, I Yeah, obviously. It's like, my house. It's my fucking house. Well, like, yeah, no. don't ever put anyone else's name on I don't documents. trust anyone. Um, but, I mean, like, <laughs> it's not like we do checks anymore that's true so that's okay mm. um so josh like his dad was super into computers and technology he loved having computers but he didn't want anyone else that he was dating to have one because of this because is never of... a good sign no it's not good um he would only allow Catherine to use his computer to send a couple of emails and he always made sure to read what she was typing before she sent it while they were dating, her uncle passed away and Josh would not allow her to return to it. I'm going to... I fucked up that whole I think sentence. you need to, to breathe because this <gasps> is very oh awful shit this is, that you're having to read out. I hate all this. Like, so while they were mm. dating, her uncle passed away and Josh yeah. would not allow her to attend the funeral. He needs a funeral quickly. He needs a funeral. So fucking help me God. Oh my God. She managed to escape in March of 1999 after visiting friends in Utah and then just not coming back. Oh. Fucking bravo, Catherine. You fucking... I'm proud of you because it's so difficult to leave relationship yeah, like that. But yeah, it's... but she fucking did it. And based on what happened to yeah. Susan later on, this was probably the best decision she ever made in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Josh wasn't put off his desire to have a girlfriend. He attended some social events in his quest to find one. In reading that sentence, I'm massively reminded of Chris Chan, who I'm sure we'll get I, to covering at some point. He's on my list. Yeah. I also have a feeling he's on some other lists. <laughs> like hit lists. No, like FBI watch lists. <laughs> I, yeah, I was close then. <laughs> anyway, yes, so yes. he was at this church function in late 2000. Chris and he Chan. was No, Josh Powell. <laughs> okay. uh, late 2000, at 24 years old, when he met a pretty, charming, and sweet 19-year-old girl Called Susan. I don't want him to. I know, neither do I. I just wanted to be 
I don't want She didn't it. look at him twice As at the I'm end. reading this story, I really fucking wish that I could, like, tell you that something else happened. But yeah. I can't. It's impossible. Because that's not what happened. We've got to be honest. We know, we... Really, the truth is it deserves to be told. Yeah. I feel like one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is because mm. I like... Like, I personally enjoy telling people, <laughs> like, stories of things that have happened. I know that I, I worded that in a really bad way. When you, for example, mm. ask me about cases and it's story time with Charlie. And yeah, it's like, okay, it it's story time with Charlie. And then I will just tell you all about something. And my best friend, she has also asked me about cases and it's like right story time with charlie let's do this and so that's why the podcast is called story time because i'm telling you about a case i'm telling you a story but the case the stories are so real and so awful and i also think the more that we know about terrible things that have happened to people especially because most of the let's just be honest most of these things happen to women yes we are usually the victims Mm-hmm. which it's is true. fucking horrific and it's terrifying and the more that we learn about terrible things that have happened the more that we can arm ourselves with knowledge yeah and that's not to say that these women were not armed with knowledge and no. this is only ever the perpetrator's fault but i think the it's terrible that you have to be paranoid and look over your shoulder mm-hmm. but i do yeah like yeah, I do. constantly Mm-hmm. and i have my keys in my hand all the time yeah oh yeah yeah totally right, the second i'm getting ready to leave work through my hand yeah and i do not let go of them yeah until i'm in the door yeah and, and i'm holding my coffee like, like i always keep my front door my locked ticket. like Windows if i'm locked. ever in a car with somebody it's like immediately locked as soon as i get in mm-hmm. because so many terrible things happen to people who are just living their lives and enjoying themselves mm-hmm. and it's I think the more that we tell these stories mm-hmm. and get it out there, because the stories deserve to be told. They, these are people's lives. These are things that happen to real good people. And I just, I'm a huge believer that we should talk about it more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's upsetting that we have to learn from people's trauma and their losses, but it's it can't be avoided. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, thank you. You're absolutely right. So, let's talk some more about Susan. Yeah. Susan was always of strong faith, and she had deep ties with her family to the Mormon church. Her faith was absolutely unshakable, and when she met seemingly devoted, caring, and faithful young man, Josh Powell, Mm -hmm. the two felt a little spark ignite. They hung around the same group of friends, or Josh always made sure that he was there. (laughs) And at dinner with friends a little while later, the pair really hit it off. Another young man called Tim was also getting pretty flirty with Susan and he got her phone number. And Josh talked to his audio journal later on like a little bitch about how he didn't want to be the second guy to get her phone number. So he didn't want it anyway. Something that has just clicked to me right now. Mm-hmm. It seems he has no friends to talk about this with. That's you a know really how good point. Yeah. A lot of guys have like fellow bros to talk it out. Yeah, yeah. I feel better be like, she's not worth it, mate. Move on. Uh, you know, and yeah. then they'll have a couple of beers and just move on. He's yeah. talking to himself. That's a really fucking good point. He's isolating himself yeah. with his own problematic habits. Yeah. He's that's... not going to escape them, that's guaranteed. No, he's literally talking to himself. And talking himself into these things. That's, yeah, that's a really good point. That's scary. You catch anyone that you're flirting with talking to themselves like this, fuck off. I mean, I think he was like, w- he stopped one short of sitting in a corner talking to himself out loud. Yeah. But he would do it when he was on his own with a tape recorder in his hand. 
He just didn't do it in public. <laughs> but yeah, he was like he was like one step away. At his time, okay, I'm 27. He's three years younger than me at this point. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I'm remembering myself three years ago. If I just went click today, was so sad because I didn't get laid. Where that I, I'd call myself out and I'd be cringing. You'd slap your face. You'd slap yourself in the face and be like, "Bitch, get it together." I'd walk myself in the bin. <laughs> Unfortunately, he didn't have anyone to walk him into the bin. Um, but despite all of his toddler pouting, he unfortunately got together with Susan anyway, and the two started dating quickly. Mm. They entered the honeymoon phase, as all young couples do, when all you want to do is kiss, cuddle, and hold hands all the time. Yeah. And people thought that they were the perfect match. It's worth mentioning here that Josh and Susan had actually met once before. Ooh. Josh was interested in Susan's older sister and had come around to their house. Susan was 12 years old. I turned my head away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, this is I what... I mean, like, I'm just going to say, this also, interestingly, is mm-hmm. not the only time that Josh has been interested in two sisters. He did That's it once true. before. That's true, yeah. Um, where he was interested in a girl around his own age. Mm-hmm. And then when she wasn't interested, he tried to get with her younger sister. Was He was one of the brothers that, quote unquote, inspected his own sister. Yeah. So it's not unfamiliar territory no. for him. And I mean, we're it's probably sisters. comfortable. Yeah. I can't even imagine somebody who tried to like hook up with you and then yeah. it didn't work and then they tried to hit on me. I would just be repulsed. It would be disgusting. It, I can't even. Even I would be like, what the fuck are you doing? That's yeah. my sister, go away. Yeah, but it, oh man, it's just, disc- it's sickening. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to hear what Josh later recounted in his journal? No. You're going to. (laughs) (laughs) We lost that one, guys. We're going to hear it. Quote. So we had met at her house and she remembered me as the person who came over and played piano. But she was much too young, relatively speaking, for me to consider dating. But as I think back, I think I looked at her and thought, she's really cute. Too bad she's too young. So he did consider it. End quote. So he did consider it. So he literally thought, oh, she's really, really, like, you know, attractive, but she's 12. That's a shame. She's too young. And it's like, why would you even look at a 12-year-old and think that's attractive? There's something fucking wrong with you. And as well, it's this as well. She says, he said, she's much too young, relatively speaking. No, not relatively speaking. Well, she's much too young, full stop. <laughs> Do I want to know what relatively actually means specifically for him? I No. I don't think so. No, I don't. You it's, don't have an answer for young, that, right? Full stop. That's yes. it. Done. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's no... And you, you're not interested anyway because she's 12. But no, none of that is true. He was interested because he's a fucking pedo. So by this point, Josh had moved out of Gross Steve's place. Okay. I'm just going to continue calling him Gross Steve, by that's the way. That's fine, that's fine. Um, Josh was deep in his LDS faith, and seeing someone drink alcohol and watch porn all the time was too much for his sensibilities. Because at this point, now, Josh does dip in and out of this. He's really, really into Mormonism. Okay. So he has phases in his life like this, where he's like, I'm a fucking Mormon. Yeah. And then later on, he'll be like, I fucking hate Mormons. <laughs> and it might be real quick. Do Mormons, I can't remember which kind of branch this may be, they don't um, have intercourse before marriage um do they off the top of my head i don't know if i would assume not because mormons don't like to drink or to swear Mm. or to watch porn yeah like if you if you hang out with someone who's of mormon faith and you drop the f-bomb in front of you (laughs) in front of them it will be offensive just that you said the word fuck i'm trying to remember in the um Jodie Arias case yeah was that Mormonism yes because they yes, were sleeping they, together yeah and they weren't supposed they to yeah so yeah. I yeah so anything basically all the good okay. stuff yeah they don't want to do it 
Which is a real shame. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to you guys. Um, but you know, I mean, if that's that's valid, and if you believe it, yeah, and if it makes, completely okay with yeah, it, and if it, if you're doing stuff that or not doing things, and it mm. makes you happy, you keep doing whatever makes you happy. Man, life is too short. It but is. basically, like Josh being around gross Steve, who had decided that he didn't want to be a Mormon anymore, and he was going to watch porn in front of his children and drink and swear, and Josh did not like that, which is fair enough. So he fucking left. Um, he grew to hate how much his father had strayed from the teachings of the church and he got himself an apartment. Wow. Which is, I think, the only self-reliant thing he ever did in his life. It sounds like Like, it. that, isolated, is like, good choice. In a very brief That's time period. That's the only good choice he ever seemed to make. Oh, so I remember I said a couple of minutes ago that we would discuss why Josh decided that Susan was a good enough girl for him to be with. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look at that. Mm. You don't look very excited. Splendid. Fucking splendid. splendid. Quote, I think that she is incredibly beautiful and a lot of that is because of the way she treats me. The way she takes care of me and my house. <laughs> she care. comes in here and she is the one person that I can feel comfortable with in my house. She'll start doing the dishes or dust something. And just because she's standing there for a minute and she doesn't have anything else to do. And I know that this is a real part of her. And it's important to me to have someone who is, who takes care of me and my stuff and our space together. End quote. Josh, man baby, she settled for you. She's gorgeous. We're obviously going to put pictures of Susan on mm-hmm. our Instagram page. Mm-hmm. She is so fucking beautiful. She compromised with this peanut head. And it's like, I don't know what Seriously. she saw in him. I, I don't, don't know. know what about him attracted her. The there is, must have been... These people can be quite manipulative and really oh, throw on charm. Incredibly. And it hooks on people. Incredibly. But then the way he talks in his journals, it's so mm-hmm. hard to imagine him being smooth. Because he yeah. is like... The that most, sounds very awkward. He sounds so awkward. And it's like, how the fuck did he convince this beautiful, intelligent, charismatic, energetic, selfless young woman mm. that he was good enough for her? How did he trick her into believing that? I have no idea he how he did He probably mimicked her good qualities that, so that she saw common ground with him. Well, I mean, in all of this stuff, you don't ever hear about him treating her well. No. And I don't know how. I mean, the thing is, unfortunately, you see it all the time. Mm-hmm. You do. It's it's sadly a common thing where it shouldn't be. Yeah, and this is another yeah another. We've got to be honest it about it, and it's fucking terrible. Yeah. So, putting that thought aside, mm-hmm. he thought that she was worthy of being his girlfriend because she looks good and she cleans his shit for him. I fucking hate him. I hate him and I hate his gross dad. Roll out the guillotine. And I've written six pages of this crap and I barely feel as though I've scratched <laughs> the surface of how despicable this family is and mm-hmm. how awful the men are. They they are terrible men. They sound they're like they're far horrific. past redemption. They're all predators. They're all nasty. Mm. And like Susan, like we said when we introduced her, worked her ass off. She was a strong woman and she knew how to work hard for what she wanted in life. She was mm. passionate and driven. When yeah. she was dating Josh, her days were all very busy. She was at cosmetology school in the morning, studying cutting and colouring hair all fucking day. Oh, that's then, so fun. It's so cool. And then after her classes, she'd go to her job at JC Penney's working on the jewellery counter. Aww. She worked there every day till late, and she yeah. still somehow found time to take care of her man-baby boyfriend and clean his things. 
Can you just delete that last part? <laughs> no, because it. I mean, I can cross it out, but it won't be yeah, true. It won't still help. It's not going to help. Time. They had been dating for a little bit over a month when Josh visited Susan at work near Christmas time. Okay. He said he wanted to buy a gift for his mother, and Susan showed him some rings. He bought one and asked her to use her employee discount. You know what's coming. I mean, I would ask for employee discount because we love a good bargain. This ring wasn't for Josh's mother. Oh, fuck. It was Susan's engagement ring. So she got the discount on her own ring. Yeah, but he said it was for his mum. He probably wanted to marry his mum as well because this wouldn't shock me from him. So I'm not the kind of person who believes that engagement rings should be the biggest damage you can get your hands on or the most expensive ring in the shop. But mm. I do think it should be special. It should be something that's chosen with a lot of thought yeah. or something that the couples even choose together. Because it's a symbol of the excitement to spend your lives together. Josh, of course, had opinions about the kind of ring he would get for Susan. And he obviously journaled it. Yay! Opinions on engagement rings because I have it. Do we have it? Do we have just transcripts of recordings or do you have like the ad recordings? Well, are they on YouTube? Or I anything? do, do have. Or are they I played could, on cold? They're played on cold. Oh, um, okay. There are, there are also some transcripts. Yeah. Um, there will be bits on YouTube that I could probably find, but I'm going to read this out because I don't know if I need some kind of copyright license to play yeah. it. Oh, yeah. And I don't true, know true. if I need a thing, so I'm mm. just going to read it to you. Yeah, cool. Would you like me to do my Valor Girl voice? Yes. Quote, I don't want her to have the most expensive looking ring in the world. I don't want her to have a big rock to attract someone who would want to hurt her or mug her or mug us as we're together. I just want her to have a modest ring with the best quality diamond I can possibly find. Something that will tell her I love her without necessarily acting like a magnet for the attention of the world. The wrong attention from the world. End quote. I feel like... Does he feel like he's advertising this ring? Because I don't he's know. selling it to himself. But his excuse for it's her really using weird. her own staff discount on a ring he found at JCPenney's is that he didn't want her to get mugged. A ring that Susan chose for his mom on the fly is the best quality diamond he could find? Really? He could find. You didn't, didn't go fucking you look. You didn't look. Because you didn't like, give yourself time to look. It's you so into this. shitty and it's really shitty. It's embarrassing. Do you have like any tiny brief time to talk about the birth of your engagement ring? The birth of my engagement ring? Like yeah. the story of my engagement ring? Yeah. Like what What do you want to know? Because it's it born out of a genuine proposal. Yeah, so That's my why. engagement ring is, is really pretty and I like it very Fucking much. Fucking gorgeous. And David told me like afterwards oh that he really really thought about it a lot and he did tell me that actually he wanted a more expensive one but he couldn't afford it and he he felt really bad about it humble man and like i that. told him that i because i mean it's not i've seen a lot of girls engagement rings with like fancier diamonds and like yeah. more of them and huge ones and mm -hmm. it's like but i like this one it's because really, he really dainty chose it for me he did and i know how much thought he put into it and i know how much time he spent looking for it yeah. and because he wanted it to be a secret he couldn't ask anyone for advice so he literally just had to like try and figure it out how much did he spend looking for it Can oh it was like months months he put months into yeah. that yeah because he knew what he wanted to do and have yeah. you with him for the rest of his life yeah he and didn't do any of this crap 
No. Because he's a genuine guy. He's been like. I just wish that Big Brother none for a of this long happened time. to Susan. Same. I just hate that all this happened to her. It's fucking terrible. Like, no one ever deserves it, but she really doesn't deserve it. But this it. is what I mean. Like, why oh. is it always the really good people that this happens to? I, I mean, I suppose know. actually this kind of stuff must happen to, like, awful abusive crackheads all the time, but nobody cares enough uh, to tell stories yeah. about it. Yeah. But, you know, this shouldn't have happened to Susan anyway because she was way mm. too good for it. Would you like to hear about the actual proposal? Go for it. You look like you don't want to hear about it. I I look like I have to hear about it. <laughs> you, do. you do have to hear I'm about it. I'm used to it now, guys. You Let's go. Do. We do. So, the actual proposal itself is nothing short of cringy as fuck. Brace your butts, guys. Once again, we know so much about this due to Dave Cawley's fantastic work on the Cold Podcast. <sighs> I promise this is not a plug. He doesn't know I exist. I didn't know he But he had access now. to lots um, of video diaries mm, that were going ooh. on in question. Because, of course, Josh recorded the proposal on his gross dad's camcorder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I just yeah. broke that. I haven't been privileged enough to actually watch it. Oh. But, like, there's transcripts, there's descriptions, there's everything. Do you think one day, if we ever got to, like, video call with Dave, he could play it for us? Mate, I have no idea. That would be so cool. I have no idea. I'm wondering... Maybe because I should send him a message and just tell him he's amazing. If he has, like, the allowance of copyright I don't to know. have it. I don't know. Then maybe we can just witness it being played. I would like to witness it being played. Yeah, exactly. Dave Cawley, if you ever realise that I exist as a human being, we. please, <laughs> we, if you ever aware that we exist as human beings, please, please, please. please play us this video because, yeah, yeah, it, I mean, maybe once you've heard about it, you're not going to want to watch it. Maybe not, but, you know, if we tell us a true crime... Yeah. True is the underlying word. Yeah. There. Right. Stop stalling. I'm going to tell you what happened. Oh, she got me. <laughs> <laughs> Josh blindfolded his beautiful young girlfriend with a t shirt. Classy. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so if you just had an iris. <laughs> just fucking. Not even an actual blindfold, a t shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a t shirt. A square thing. Yeah. Round and narrow I just face. wonder, like, whether or not it was, like, from the clean or the dirty pen. washing pile. Like, is it I have to... I don't know. I don't a juicy know. penny shirt? I, mate. So he blindfolded her with a t-shirt. Clearly nothing is too good for Susan. He led her into a room where a vase of white roses was presented, along with a large picture of the Latter-day Saints Temple in Portland. So this is the temple where many Mormons from around the area gathered to get married. So having mm-hmm. the drawing there was a big hint. It's interesting to note, though, that he bought this drawing of the temple while he lived with his ex, Catherine Terry. So, oh, the yeah. one that escaped. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So perhaps he was planning on proposing to her with this. Mm, Aside from the recycled props, he had a hymn playing on a tape player and he got Susan to sit down and read a passage from Mormon scripture before he made her read a poem that he wrote when he was 18. Was she still blindfolded and having to read? No, I think at this point he'd taken the blindfold off. He made her read a passage from the, the Book of Mormon and then he made her read a poem that he wrote when he was 18. So a poem about love, but before he'd ever met her. And it's like, I'm so important, so read this thing that I wrote to me. Before I ever met you. It kind of, it feels very uncomfortable right now because you've been blindfolded. You're having to read something to someone before you get proposed to. Yeah, I know she doesn't know that she's yeah, going to get proposed so to. Somehow but... this train wreck actually worked. He asked Susan to marry him and she said yes. <laughs> And it makes me so fucking angry to see photos and videos of Susan from this time period and yeah. she looks so young and innocent and passionate. 
Mm. And she's naive and she thinks that she's in love with this piece of shit. And it happens all the time and it makes me so fucking mad. Mm -hmm. So in this story, I feel like Mm -hmm. I identify with Jennifer Graves, who is Josh's older sister. Right. When she got married, she changed her name. Because I fucking would if yeah, I was related to those pieces of shit. Get rid of that name. I feel like as a big sister myself, watching out for your younger siblings and trying to mm. see past all the dumb shit they do. No offense. Nah, thumbs up for me. Um, <laughs> and she is trying to do that at this point. Yeah. So she's looking at Josh and she's seeing all the crap that he's done. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to see past it to the potential. Yeah. Um, things have been unhealthy at home. But she can see that Josh has found an amazing woman who cares about him. And she really thinks that this could be a turning point in his life where he becomes a better person. Yeah. And she said, quote, maybe he'll be all right. He'll be all right because he's got her now and he'll want to improve for her. What guy doesn't want to put forth the effort and improve and be the best he can be for an, for an awesome woman? And Susan was great, end quote. Unfortunately, Jennifer was wrong about her brother. He started using her money to improve his multiple computers, as he put it, because he, quote, needed them to live. Obviously, he ran out of his own money, and Susan's hard-earned wages was something that he was entitled to. Okay, then. Well, we might... We'll, we'll get the next train. There's one at, like, three o'clock. Will that be okay? Yeah. Okay, then. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Well, right, okay. <laughs> Um, so the pair got married in the same Portland, Oregon temple that Jennifer had married Kirk in. Josh was determined to have his dad present at the wedding because he hadn't been invited to the ceremony for his sister. Okay. But the Mormon church had a hilarious way of fucking over gross Steve. Oh, okay. So Some it turns out that to enter the Mormon temple, you need to be a really good Mormon. Yeah. Good on them. Yeah. You can't just fuck around drinking and wanking all day. No. They didn't let Steve in. Mm-hmm. The only one of Josh's family that was allowed inside was Jennifer. Wow. She was the only decent one and they wouldn't fucking let any of the others in. This isn't a slam to the church, but churches are gossipy. Oh, so it will gossipy. have been. Oh, yeah. Very oh, it will have been because like, all over the place. because like Steve and Terry had this great Mormon marriage to start with. Yeah. And then he went off the fucking rails. Just they would have been gossiping like fucking crazy. It would have mm-hmm. been the talk of the temple. Yes. And yeah, so he was not allowed in. They were like, fuck no, get out. Um, Jennifer obviously wanted to see her brother get married, but unfortunately her children weren't allowed inside because they were too young. No kids in the Mm, temple. Okay. So she had to leave them outside with (gasps) gross Steve. No. Now, in a normal family, or even in a barely functioning family, leaving Mm -hmm. your young children to sit with their granddad at a church function wouldn't be something that you'd worry about. Typically sounds normal. But oh no, not here. Jennifer later said that she actually said prayers for her kids before she left them with him for what was only going to be a short period of time. Oh. That's how much she worried about her children around her dad. Dad sinks my heart. The fact Truly. that she had to even... The fact that that even came into her head shows how disgusting and predatory Steve Powell mm-hmm. actually is. Yeah. The wedding came and went, and eight months into the romantic bliss that is the honeymoon period, the couple were evicted because Josh couldn't manage his money like an adult. And they moved in with gross Steve. Did Josh have a job of any kind at this point? Do you know? Um, or is he still like... So Josh, we're going to we're gonna talk about this. 
um, obviously, we're going to mm. talk about this. But Josh sort of flitted from job to job okay. a lot. So at this yeah. point, if he got evicted, I'm assuming this is probably one of the in-between periods where he didn't have a job. Mm. Okay. Because um, he's terrible. He is. So Gross Steve didn't have a very big house, and Michael and John were already living there with him, and there weren't enough bedrooms for them to have one each. They made kind of like a barrier in the living room with bedsheets hanging up where Josh and Susan slept. So it's kind of like this that we have right now. So yeah. we, so to record this, I know a lot of people say to record in like a closet or if you have like a walk-in wardrobe. Unfortunately, I don't have a walk-in wardrobe. No. Um, so we're sat, there's a sofa in the spare bedroom in the smallest room. Mm-hmm. And we've got a vacuum cleaner and a folding chair behind us. And we've draped a sheet over the sofa <laughs> and us and the folding chair in the Hoover. So it's kind of like a little pillow fort. It's a very ad hoc toddler tent. Yeah, so it's like a, it's like a like a bed sheet pillow fort, basically. And this is how we record. So yeah. the audio is good because mm-hmm. the audio in the first episode was fucking horrific. We were and since we've been doing away. the makeshift tent, the audio yeah. is much better. Um but this was kind of similar to the living situation that uh, Josh and Susan had with Steve. I couldn't so live like this. It, it wasn't like the like a tent like this. It was yeah. more like they. It sounds like a vertical. Tent. It was yeah. It was like a little wall, but it was made out of bed sheets. Yeah. Oh my god. It meant that they didn't have any privacy at all, and it was mm. such a weird arrangement because they're newlyweds. It's a really bizarre. It's yeah, really and bizarre. there's no privacy there at all. And it let's you add to this the fact that Steve is constantly filming. Oh, fuck. You can see where we're going. You can see where we're going. And oh, wow. Oh, wow. Was Steve excited to have a beautiful woman around his house? That he owned, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He owned that house. He owned everything in it. As a matter of fact, (laughs) he actually spoke on video about how excited he was to have a beautiful woman around his house. It's very crucial. I've got a quote for you here. And as usual, it's disgusting. Literally, everything he says is disgusting. So it's really not that hard. (laughs) Steve Powell so anyway we just don't get too many any uh uh, any women around here so Susan says I'm it Steve says you're it so you get the full treatment Susan says from head to toe and Steve says "Mm -hmm." it makes me fucking itch I hate him I don't think she would have said that no 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 this is a transcript from a video did she actually say that yeah it's 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 the video and he can't understand because she it's, wouldn't have said that in, like, a saucy way. No, this is what I mean. So that she, would have been a joke. This, like, Susan is one of those people who just gets along with everyone naturally. She would yeah. just, like, like she was trained to become a cosmetologist. Hairdressers can do that. Yeah. They can ooze conversation they in can. ways that yeah. we cannot. No. And Susan could just ooze conversation and she just chatted to people. Mm. And I think as well, Susan, at this point, she's very naive and she... I think at this point, the way that she was raised with the church, with like love and everything, mm. I think at this point in her life, she's assuming that everyone else has the same good intentions that she does. Yeah, absolutely. So when Steve says this, she might get that little feeling going off that like, oh, I don't know about this. Yeah. But I think her sense of everything is right in the world is overriding that manually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we said before, Steve would journal constantly. So just like Josh, (laughs) just like Josh, he would note down literally every insignificant thing he did that day. It must have taken him fucking hours. Yeah. He also recorded himself a lot with his video camera. 
mm-hmm. like he recorded everything in the house, but he literally recorded himself a lot. Does he have a job? Because it sounds like he has a lot of spare time. He does have a job, and I can't remember what it is. Oh. <laughs> but I don't care what it is. It's not important, and I don't care. Okay. Um, it's amazing, though, for how such an ugly dude, he really loved himself a lot. Mm-hmm. I know that beauty's only skin deep, and you don't judge a book by its cover, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And ugly shaming people is bad. Yeah. But he's an ugly dude. He looks creepy. He looks like a fucking pedo. Of 100%, if you just pull back the layers underneath, it's literally just poop in human shape. <laughs> like, it's poop. Like, yeah, you'll get to the rectum eventually, Charlie. Like, <laughs> but you got to peel out. No, but down. like, it's not as if there's like a good person underneath. They're just no. unfortunate looking. He's ugly on the outside. Yeah. And he's literally just shit on the inside. Yeah. like Because you get good people that do bad things and then just fucking awful bad people, full stop. Yeah, he's That's just it. an awful he's bad person. He's one of those. He's just a terrible person. Yeah. Um... And I know you asked me before, did he ever watch this stuff back? Yes. He watched it back a lot. We're going to get into much, not not now, not even not even today, probably. Ooh. We're not going to get into how he watched himself back. Oh, shit. But we are going to get to it. So that door that you were rattling, oh, it's rattling back, baby. Is it? It's, it's, Is it? it's, it's Jimmy in the door. It's concerning. You can hear, you can hear a scuffling sound in the lock, like yeah. something's, yeah. Something's it's, almost laughing at that behind oh, me. Oh, it's laughing. It's laughing. It's terrifying. Now, Steve always loved his kids in the grossest way imaginable. Yeah. I think because they were extensions of himself and he loved himself. Mm. He loved people he felt like he owned. But as he got to know Susan and have her around the house, he began to love her too. Josh graduated from college and at his graduation ceremony, Steve ended up filming Susan a lot more than Josh. (laughs) That's cringy as fuck. It's in, so awful. In so many levels. Like, you go to your own son's graduation. Who is a turd? You don't even video You're him. You're just filming his wife. Yeah. Who is your daughter-in-law? Fucking It's dumbass. just... <sighs> Circling back to a question that you asked me a moment ago, it mm-hmm. turned out that Josh couldn't keep a job. <laughs> it wasn't that he was unqualified or that he was stupid he had some mm. pretty good tech skills and if he put his mind to it he probably could have done quite well for himself mm. but that sense of being better than everyone else that he had in college when socializing and looking for a girlfriend he carried that over into his adult life mm. he was always smarter than his bosses and he always knew best and he made sure that everyone knew all the time that he thought he was the smartest person in the room that's a messy way to tangle up work it's hard to be no. around people like that. It is. It's insufferable. And they're fu- the next line says, they're fucking insufferable. <laughs> it literally says it right there. It does. I see it. I haven't even been reading your notes. Good. I should I hope have... not. They're my notes. Yeah, you did that to me in my episode. You're like, that's just because I like reading. I just it's like different. to know these things. It's I'm like, different. yeah, read now, do you, dumbass? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, he ended up getting let go from job after job. And of course, Susan was picking up the slack. She worked her ass off and she got a promotion and her first car. Hell yeah. Good on you. Well done. You love that. By the time 2003 came around, the pair had moved to Yakima, which is about 160 miles away from Puyallup. A quick Google Maps tells me that it takes almost two hours, 30 minutes to drive from one to the other. Susan and Josh had got a job together managing a retirement home out there. Ooh. I don't quite know how they did that, but it's like 2003, so whatever. Um, They were able to live in an on-site apartment, which was super convenient as it meant no commute. And they were able to put some distance between themselves and gross Steve. Steve had started annoying Josh. 
not only was he gross in every conceivable way, but he was also making snide little comments at him all the time, and he was trying to undermine him in front of Susan. He said upside down to you. No, I just... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> now, it wasn't hard to undermine Josh, considering that he is a creature you find under a big rock after a heavy rain. And then he's squishy. But it's not cool to make your son look bad, to make yourself look bigger in front of your daughter-in-law. Yeah, it's really weird. I've said it before, and it won't be the last time I say it. This whole thing is a fucking train crash. It's a dumpster fire. It's a shit show. Whatever it is, it's awful, and poor Susan was caught right in the middle of it. I'm nodding. Absolutely. The pair ended up moving on from their jobs at the senior living centre because Josh couldn't stop disagreeing with management, and nobody else from the company in the area would consider taking him on because he had a reputation for being so difficult to work with. Yeah. Because he's an expert in fucking everything, he decided he could totally be a long-haul big rig truck driver. At least that gets him away from Susan. <laughs> Go and get in your little truck and fuck off. Go drive those like hundred mile the thing roads. Is, the thing is, America, like hundred miles. They're like thousands of miles. Yeah, mate. it was just you know being careful. <laughs> the thing is, like driving those things is really fucking hard. Yeah, because like, it takes They're massive, and you have to do a lot of training before you can even get a license to to There's drive. A lot one. of responsibility. There's a lot that goes Gosh. into it. It's not easy. No. Even though they moved all the way to Yakima, Steve would continue to visit them a lot. He, he obviously just loved his son so much that he couldn't bear to be away from him. Just wanted to video his and wife. And it's nothing to do with his gorgeous <gasps> wife less than half his age. Of course that's not anything to do with it. Now, what you might not know about Steve Powell is that he actually has a secret talent. I use the word talent loosely, but it's definitely a hobby. And I want to see if you can guess what it is. So... Multiple choice. <laughs> you know how sometimes you give a look to a friend like, fuck, what do we do? I'm giving that look yeah. to the mic. Yeah, she's you looking guys. at the mic like, help. The microphone can't help you. I know. <laughs> so, I've actually turned to face you. I feel quite intimidated. You feel like spoken. I can't see the multiple choice. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you. Yay. So, you. which of these is Gross Steve's <laughs> secret hobby? Multiple choice. <laughs> a. He has a side hustle as a clown at a birthday party by the name of Haha Steve. <laughs> okay. B. He writes and sings his own music and has recorded albums under the name Steve Shantry. C. He performs slam poetry at underground clubs under the alias of Stephen Power. Or D. He tries to get amateur photography published under the name Shutter Steve. One of these is true. I want to go with D. Is that your final answer? But I really want it to be C. Because if he loses all those battles, then good. What's your answer? I can't decide. You're going to have to decide. I remember laughing at A. What was it? Clown haha Steve. <laughs> <laughs> now, clown for me is very John Wayne Gacy. Yes. So I was like, nah, there's no second clown, right? <laughs> there's not another weird clown. Fucking murder clown. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. But the clown's in the bin. The murder clowns can go in the bin. Sorry. <laughs> If we ever do merch, I yeah. really want to have murder clowns. I would love it if we bin. could do that. And that would be like, fun. like, like on the on the side of the mug, there'll just be a picture of like a garbage can <laughs> with a wig sticking out of it and a honky nose on the floor. And then another mug with like a little bin with like flames coming out of it. Oh my god, that can be on the back of the mug. Yeah. What's your answer? Stop stalling. I'll go with D. The answer is B. Gross Steve is yeah. a musician. Again, loose term. 
I'm actually going to try and put some of the recordings of his songs here. Oh. Cough up my tail. I think tail is in a story. Oh. He knows where he should be going. <laughs> jail. Get in there. Get in jail. Put yourself in the bin, sir. Oh my god. You just right. Sang so it. I'm gonna try and put that song in. If it didn't <gasps> work, I can only apologize. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, Steve liked to write songs and they were terrible. He got Susan to listen to all of them and oh probably god. told um Wait, who probably told him they were nice out of awkward politeness. Yeah, definitely. But Steve got the that. idea that she loved them. Oh, Des- I bet he imagined her as like a groupie. Like yeah, blah, that blah, blah. one top. Desperate to have another yes. avenue to woo his daughter-in-law, oh. Steve dropped 3K on recording equipment to impress her. <laughs> oh my God. Just to make this relatable, I know that 2003 isn't that long ago. Yeah. But like with today's inf- inflation, that's about $4,700. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of money. That's a and his singing fuck fucking sucks. It does. And when it came to the big spend, you can bet your butt he wrote about it in a journal. He yeah. said, quote, I just ordered a $3,000 computerized recording studio, a hard disk recorder. I did it mainly because she likes my music, and I'm hoping there will be an opportunity to have her sing some parts, and that will be an opportunity to be near her. That's what it's all about. I want to be near Susan. End quote. Jesus, no words again. No. Yeah. That's his daughter-in-law. Yeah, you should... Unhealthy obsession after unhealthy obsession after unhealthy obsession. He's now putting this onto people that are close by. They then became distant and he's going to them. He's just disgusting. It's absolutely getting worse. So, I'm going to derail you. There came a day later in 2003 where Josh took his first drive in a bakery truck. Woo! Susan wanted to go back to her parents' house as she loved to visit them at any chance she got and Steve offered to give her a ride back. It was quite a long drive and he relished any opportunity to be alone with her. This time, he would tell her how he felt. I imagine that in his head, he pictured his feelings being reciprocated as she leant on him and demanded he pull over so she could confess her love. However, Steve is a gross, creepy, predatory loser, so of course it didn't go like that. However, his camcorder, which had constantly had with him, was recording. Oh god. Not a visual. No, this not a visual. No. But the audio was picked up. It picked up every <sighs> awkward, pathetic oh, syllable. No. It did no. not go well. When you're in a moving car you you're so isolated. Yeah. 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 He's got her where she, she has to rely escape. on him to keep driving the car. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure there. Yeah. Oh a fuck ton of pressure I can't there. even imagine. Like having how a balance rejection with don't throw me out of this fucking I'm really car. really glad that you immediately leapt on the power balance because yeah. it's not something I've brought up because I was hoping that you would and then we mm-hmm. could discuss it and the fact that you've immediately picked up on it it's I'm so glad absolutely the first thing that comes to mind yeah yeah she's trapped in a tiny yeah. space 
and he's in control of the car mm-hmm. and she literally just has to sit there and hope that everything goes well oh, yeah okay let's make it to our destination and just zoom off yeah so instead of being a suave sophisticated silver fox like he clearly thought he was mm. Steve uh, ummed and awed his way through a cringy monologue about how much he'd fallen in love with Susan and how he desperately hoped that she felt the same for him she did not no she made it abundantly clear that she just wanted to be a daughter-in-law and she viewed herself as being only a step below his own children in terms of their familial relationship obviously we have the benefit of knowing how gross steve lusted after his own daughter and fantasized about her Mm -hmm. maybe for him that familial bond is a turn-on or maybe as he sees people as no more than animals he doesn't see anything wrong with breeding with your own kind that felt horrible to say so much of this story just makes the inside of my mouth feel icky. Susan handled it like a boss. She did. She drew the line and she said how it made her feel and made it clear that going forward she didn't want to have any kind of relationship other than a father-in-law and daughter-in-law, which is what it should have been from day one. But yeah. she made that clear. When she got home, she obviously told her husband what happened. Josh confronted his creepy dad. But what did Steve say to him? We're going to play another guessing game. What did Gross Steve tell Josh? A. He didn't say any such thing to Susan as she made the whole thing up. B. He told Josh the truth and apologised for creeping on his wife. C. He said Susan started the whole thing by leading him on. D. He threatened to kill Josh if he ever told anyone. Jesus. Remind me of A and C. A is... He didn't say any such thing to Susan and she made the whole thing up. Right. See? He said Susan started the whole thing by leading him on. See? Victim blame. It's C. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Steve told Josh that it was Susan's fault he fancied the pants off her because <laughs> she'd been leading him on for years. It wasn't his fault that his daughter-in-law was such a tease. He was only reacting in the way that any man would. What? Yeah, a man can also reject someone. Exactly. Is that fucking but a good you? But no. he had the audacity to say that by being kind and friendly to her father-in-law she was teasing him and flirting with him and yeah. leading him on and like seduce[ing] him none of that fucking happened of course none it didn't. of it fucking happened no and even if it did he can say you shouldn't be doing that for exactly so susan after this didn't want anything to do with steve in fact when josh would just talk on the phone with his dad she would seethe i can't even imagine how shitty she must have felt the fact that josh still kept up a line of conversation with him after that that would be demeaning she must have felt completely isolated like like if like david's parents are incredible people they are lovely they're really incredible people i've never had any kind of issue with them or falling out or argument or anything they're wonderful but like say hypothetically Mm -hmm. like i had a problem and i needed to come to david and say look your parents or your mom or your dad have said this 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 Mm -hmm. i would expect him to listen to me and support me yeah you know what i mean and mm-hmm. i would do the same for him yeah none of that would happen because our relationships are all perfect um but you know i would expect mm-hmm. the backup yeah. and the fact that susan like josh still spoke to him on the phone like like regularly. with that for me is pretty much josh is agreeing with his dad if he's willing to keep yes. him in the picture exactly and their prior history with each other where steve's toxic behavior benefits josh this is just the same thing but with their marriage exactly so what if you know allegedly susan started all blah 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 exactly this guy isn't gonna the thing is six months after this weird creepy confession Mm. the couple moved to utah near jennifer 
So you remember how Jennifer, the older sister, off? yeah. So yeah. remember how okay. Jennifer, the older sister, mm-hmm. got her chance to fuck off a thousand miles away, and she fucked off. Yeah, these guys have followed her. Okay, because um, Jennifer and Susan end up getting really close, Aww. and they're really good. Oh, and Jennifer good. basically tries to take care of her, oh, which is sad. she needs someone to help. Yeah, and Jennifer is there. Um. It's Where good. am I up to? So, yeah. Have you seen a pattern here? Every young woman close to Steve Powell is getting far away. Yep. <laughs> However, before they left, Steve came around to help clear out their apartment at Josh's request. Of course, Gross Steve wrote in his journal about it later. This is what he said, quote, I helped them clear out their apartment on Wednesday. Now Josh doesn't need me for a while. It's interesting that he was upset at me for telling Susan I was in love with her, but needed my help too much to stay away. End quote. So he admits it now. Oh yeah, freely. He is so fucking full of himself. He is. I can't deal with how much he just loves himself. It's fucking nuts and the narcissism is on another level. It's just a constant cycle of delusion. Yeah. So Susan didn't have to deal with Steve much anymore because they were all the way in Utah by now. Mm. However, she still had to deal with Josh. And things weren't great there. Mm -hmm. Jennifer noticed that Josh was controlling of susan and she didn't like it she tried to push back but that just made things harder for her yeah in early 2004 josh had lost his new utah job and susan had found one she was volunteering in the local lds church and she discovered she was pregnant now like we said earlier susan was the kind of person who just wanted to have children some people have the thing I don't have the thing. But Susan had it. Not only was she going to be an amazing mum, but she continued being a badass bitch and studied for and passed exams to become a stockbroker while she was pregnant. Wow. So she was earning more money than Josh had ever earned and keeping their tiny family afloat. That's seriously inspiring. Exactly. I feel inspired. I feel fucking inspired. That smart or pregnant. Like that. I mean, I think you're smart, but you're not pregnant. (laughs) No, I'm not. She was, yeah, I said, I said that. Um, she grew close with her next door neighbor, Kersey, who revealed that Susan told her she was concerned about how good Josh would be at being a dad. On the 19th of January, 2005, Susan's water broke. Oh. Her parents drove down to Utah to take her to the hospital because Josh refused. What? Yeah. His pregnant wife had just gone into labour and he didn't want to take her to the hospital because he was busy on his computer. He's got a whole truck licence and doesn't want to drive his lovely wife to the hospital with their baby. He was busy on his computer, Sophie. That That is not acceptable. Also, I while you've mentioned Susan's parents, were they ever allowed to see her? I say quote-unquote allowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they... Susan made sure she visited them. They talked on the phone a lot. That's good. But okay. Josh didn't like it. No. Because yeah. he's a massive asshole. Mm-hmm. A massive, gaping, leaking asshole. Man, baby. Bedwetting, horribly still asshole. Yep. Yeah. Um, even when they got to the hospital, he was chilling on the windowsill with a laptop while Susan was having contractions and squeezing out their firstborn child. Doing what on a laptop? Her on dad had to physically close the laptop and bring him over the moment wow. his child was coming into the world. Fucking I hell. fucking can't with this guy. I she deserved furious. so much better than this. Seriously, dude. Susan only <sighs> had five weeks of maternity leave with her baby son, Charlie. Great name, by oh. the way. Because Josh wasn't yeah. paying any fucking bills. 
He was still giving them money problems because he spent money like a teenager getting his first paycheck, even though he was now a father and a homeowner. The church was paying for their utilities and food bills, but Susan didn't like not paying her way. She was obviously trying her absolute best, but Josh seemed totally happy to let the church cover their expensive while he sat around on his ass. I don't think there'd be anything on the planet that would have Josh changed to be a better person somehow. Nope, nothing. There is nothing that would motivate that. There's nothing. Or spark that. There is nothing. nothing. No. Their fourth wedding anniversary came and went and Josh forgot about it. Nope. You're not going to go there? Okay, we're not going to go there. Fucking. The physical intimacy dropped out of their relationship too. By the time 2006 rolled around, the two were seriously considering getting a divorce from one another. I wish they fucking did. I'm not surprised. Josh was a tough person to live with. They reconciled, though, and had another baby. This one, another boy named Brayden. By 2007, the couple had filed bankruptcy. Still, Susan kept powering through. Yeah. The bankruptcy might have had some kind of effect on Josh. He certainly seemed to slow his spending at this point. At the very least, he became obsessed with what Susan spent. Even if we look back to his ex-girlfriend, Catherine, we can see that his partners never needed to have as much as he did. Mm. But it was getting even worse than it had been before, now that he and Susan were so completely broke. For years, Josh had been extremely controlling with money, despite the fact that it wasn't even his in the first place. Susan earned the money for their household, yet he dictated what was done with it. He saw fit to buy himself new computers whenever he liked, and electric tools, gadgets, toys and junk. But if Susan spent more money than he thought she should on things like food shopping to feed their children, Mm -hmm. he would throw a fit. As it was, there was barely enough food in the house for the four of them, and Susan would ask her friends at work if she could borrow hot dogs to feed her boys. It's really fucking sad. No, no mother or parent should have to be in that position ever. No. Ever. Especially when Josh <sighs> buys himself so much crap. Yeah. But it's not a priority. There's uh, seriously many feelings that I can't word right now. Yeah. You know what I mean. Is it upside down again? No, I was just wondering if I remembered something, but I have it. It just comes up later. Ah. The couple had one car, but you guessed it, Josh had it. It was paid for by Susan, but he needed it. He should be in his truck. His lorry. What's he oh, doing yeah, here? but he, that never panned out anywhere. Obviously, Why not? Because he's terrible. Susan cycled to work every day. Wow. If the weather was terrible and she couldn't cycle, she had to carpool with colleagues because Josh couldn't be bothered to drop her off. And there was a lot of instances where he didn't come pick her up either. He wouldn't even pick up his sons from daycare. The lady who runs the daycare that, they, that their sons went to spoke to Dave Corley and said, wow. quote, when Josh wouldn't come to pick up the kids, she'd phone and I would load the kids up after all the other kids had gone. Of course, because I wanted to get on with my day and my night, so I'd go get her from work and bring her and the boys home. And that was quite a normal occurrence. And she went and got Susan from work. Yeah. So to... that's not a normal thing for no, a daycare it's not. provider it's to, not. to run some children home and pick up the mother yeah. because the fucking husband is a loser and can't be bothered doing anything. That's not normal. That's fucking atrocious. Yeah, but that's what that's, happened. That's I'm glad that lady was more than willing to help her out. Yeah, so but the it lady that ran the daycare ended up yeah. staying quite close with Susan um, oh. and she, after everything that ends up happening, this poor lady is like devastated. Oh. Like, she's yeah. probably traumatized. It's, it, it's awful. It would be. But yeah, it's just really awful and sad Mm. Um, aside from cycling to work and begging friends for canned hot dogs there was something else that Josh Powell made Susan do for him we know that Josh Powell journaled a lot with his audio recordings and on paper but he didn't have it wasn't like where Steve had full notebooks and he wrote and filled in a notebook Mm -hmm. he would just write down thoughts on bits of paper here and there but like all the time 
Oh. It was really fucking weird. That is weird. So he also wrote lots of letters to France and kept every receipt for everything he ever bought and everything that Susan ever bought, like grocery shopping and anything. Um, he was obsessive about keeping every tiny scrap of paper. He would make sure that he would make Susan scan all of these bits of paper and save them to his computer. So that's what's in the computer. That's what's in the computer. This is really, really, really strange. That's what she was allowed to use the computer for. Scanning in all of his random thoughts. That was purchased by her money. Receipts. Yeah. Sending the occasional email to her parents also. And she was allowed to scan in all his random receipts and bits of crap. This is heartbreaking. Yeah. Susan also had to research what was on sale at each supermarket and put it into a spreadsheet to compare prices. She had to get the cheapest of literally everything. Josh would get pissed that Susan would feed the boys at home. Josh said that his sons got one meal a day at daycare and that he didn't want them to eat his food because they would just poop it out later. This is one of the most controlling things about the hood. Yeah, this is bad. This, this is, is fucking disgusting. It's Yeah, it's fucking disgusting. It, she needs to get out. They need to get out. It's so awful. It is. It's no surprise that by the time 2008 rolled around, Susan was looking for a divorce once again. This was the point where she'd had enough. She'd been living like this for years and she was so tired of it. Josh owed her parents $3,000 from a debt that he racked up years ago and Susan was sending her mum and dad $50 every paycheck to pay it back to them. For her birthday that year, Susan got home from work to see the cake that she'd started to make that morning still unfinished on the counter. Josh didn't look up from what he was doing, instead saying, why don't you finish the frosting on your cake? The next morning, Josh got Charlie to give Susan her birthday gift, muttering that he'd spent good money on it. The gift was a very cheap, very shitty plastic whiteboard that you put on your fridge with magnets. Literally. The plastic around the outside was actually snapped and had gone a funny yellow colour. It's tacky and shitty and he probably got it at a dollar store somewhere. Oh, got it from behind his computer on the window. I thought, what yeah. is it with him and... How much things go by monetary value? Oh yeah, this costs so much. Be impressed. Oh, this engagement ring's the best. So much money. So much diamond. Yeah, he's just... But it's the fact that, like, Why it's her birthday. He buys himself so much stuff. And yeah. she literally just got, like, an old, yellowed, magnetic whiteboard calendar. And it's mm-hmm. her birthday. Yeah. And it's fucking shitty. It's disgusting. It's a bit rich, considering as well how much he spent on himself. Yes. A neighbour who helped Josh fix his decking commented to Dave Corley. Have I mentioned Dave Corley yet? He's this guy. Um, (laughs) He did a fucking amazing podcast. Listen to it. Um, He commented to Dave Corley that Josh had some really nice tools. I've already mentioned that Josh liked to treat himself to gadgets. But according to this guy, Dax Guzman, they were fancy as fuck. Wow. Quote, he had like DeWalt everything. His compressor, his saws, his screwdriver said everything that he had was top of the line. It was nice. End quote. Hmm. I don't know shit about tools, but I had a quick Google, and a 12-piece set of DeWalt tools will set you back about two grand. DeWalt's are really good. Yeah. Dad liked them. Oh, okay. He's right, really yeah. sweet. He's like, DeWalt. <laughs> oh, he loves it. But we're um, a Stanley family, so... <laughs> it's a decent chunk of money. Um, Josh bragged to Dex that because he bought his tools before he declared bankruptcy, then the bankruptcy wiped off all the debt he built shopping, and he basically got them for free. I, I grit my teeth. this man would not be safe around me no absolutely not josh obviously liked controlling susan's money and spending it Mm -hmm. but it wasn't just susan he was getting money from dave corley discovered that josh powell was also potentially committing insurance fraud by getting himself rear-ended and then claiming insurance payouts for injuries oh oh no that's so risky what do you mean like getting caught and then fucking over your whole family with it 
Oh, he didn't care about that. I I know. <laughs> yeah, he just wanted free money um, because he wanted it. And this fucking guy knows absolutely no boundaries whatsoever and there's no low to which he will not stoop. No. Gross Steve was also lurking again. Susan couldn't escape him whenever Josh wanted to visit family because the children had to go to... Because the children had to go too. And Susan didn't want to let them out of her sight. No. Steve had been keeping himself busy recording and writing music. He still had his super expensive recording equipment and he had written literally dozens of new songs. They were all about Susan. He had not stopped his infatuation with her. Does he ever name her in them? Um, one of the songs he actually wrote about somebody else, but he renamed it something like my... Something like... Oh, it's got Susan in the title. Oh, I can't remember. But crazy. yeah, they're all about her. Yeah. Um, no amount of recording equipment is going to make him sound like Frank Sinatra. But that's who compared him to. Is he No, he's not. Um, he wrote a song called The Light of Seattle, which is about Susan. You let me I shall play some things So I'm going to tell you what he said about it. Quote, I think my Light of Seattle has a good chance of being in the common repertory, along with New York, New York, and Chicago is my kind of town, as the song about Seattle. End quote. He literally believed that this shit fest would be as big a deal as New York, New York. He's in such a bubble. He is... Of course, not just... The Light of Seattle was about Susan. Mm-hmm. They were all about Susan. She was his muse. His muse, who had no idea or had given no consent to be the object of his constant obsession. Mm-hmm. So I had a look online and I was mm-hmm. able to find some lyrics. And I just want you to read them. Okay. Um, so there's two song. There's two sets of song lyrics here and I want you to read them out. Great. Okay. Sophie's never seen these before. She didn't even know about this until literally right now. I'm just glad I don't have to sing this. No, no, no. I don't want you to sing it. I just want you to read it because it's disgusting. Okay. Make some room for me within you for the moment I begin to smell the perfume in your hair and caress you everywhere. Oh, God, don't sniff my... I'm missing you. Uh, I'm gonna be sick. I can love you in a secret way. I can love you each and every day. There is nothing I can't see. There is nothing you can't be. It's not perfect, but I'm missing you. Oh! <laughs> we all but know. But it's just knowing that he wrote it about Susan. Yeah. And it's so fucking... That's his daughter-in-law. It's so cute. Do you guys want the second song? Oh, God, the second one is really bad. No. Tough shit. You're getting it. Tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty as a little doll. And I would like to play with all the things that make a little doll so nice. And you could dance and you could sing. And you could do most anything. And I could taste your sugar and your spice. He's disgusting. Childish lyrics. Yeah, it's, he's really shitty. Really gimmicky. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'd like to hold you close to me. And that's how it's supposed to be. Colon. And I'd pick Colon. you up and hold you to my heart. My little doll will be my friend. I hope it's more than just pretend. And you and I will never be apart. And we could find a little place. A dollhouse with a little space to have some little dolls like you and me. And we'd be together night and day with lots of time to laugh and play. And that's how we would live so happily. 
Isn't it just the most awful thing you've ever read? He's got the mind of a child. No, he's a pedo. Yeah, he is an absolute pedo, but that's so... It's shitty. It's the kind of thing that you would write if you're like a teenager and you think it's amazing. This is what I mean. Like you're like the best writer ever. It it reads like a five year old trying to be an adult poet. Yeah, it's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like horrific. It's awful. Yeah. So as if having to listen to these beauties wasn't enough, Steve actually (laughs) just threw it at me. Steve actually got Susan to sing backing vocals on some of his music. Oh, shit. She has Jesus. a really delicate, pretty voice. I've heard oh, it. And yeah. gross Steve relished every opportunity to be anywhere within a shot of it. Yeah, he probably got a chub hearing it. Oh! Oh, <laughs> oh no! It went poof. I mean, yeah, but no! Because she's gorgeous. It doesn't surprise me that her voice will also be, like, dazzling me. vocally. Me, I am... I've got so much She's a fucking to get evil. into. You have, oh, there's some horrible things coming. Yeah. Um, but like we said, Susan was gunning for a divorce. She was a strong woman and she had been seeing a divorce lawyer. That's good. The lawyer good. advised her to make a video around her house showing their assets so there was proof of their possessions and financial situation. That's good. Susan did this. She videoed everything they owned. And you can actually watch this video on YouTube. Wow. And it's quite haunting to see it, though. Um, the video is 44 minutes long. And you can see that Josh did indeed own a large amount of tools and gadgets. Mm. Around the same time, Susan wrote herself a last will and testament and put it in a safety deposit box that she didn't tell Josh about. The outside of the letter was stapled shut and it read, quote, For family, friends of Susan, all except for Josh Powell, husband. I don't trust him. End quote. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. He... No. Yeah. He... This document is... It's literally haunting and chilling to read now. Mm-hmm. Susan definitely had a feeling something bad was going to happen and it's so sad to mm-hmm. read her words. Quote, For mine and my children's safety, I feel the need to have a paper trail at work which will not be accessible to my husband. We've been to church class about wills and I know that he can override me with the legal paperwork, but I want it documented somewhere that there is some extreme turmoil in our marriage. It's an open fact I have life insurance policies over a million dollars if we die in the next four years. If I die, it may not be an accident even if it looks like one. Take care of my boys. I want my parents very involved and in charge of their lives. I love my boys. I live for them. End quote. I got chills. I can't to imagine say the least. how she must have felt to just have that looming feeling that something terrible is going to happen to her all the time. And it's, it would never leave you. And it's the person ever. that you married. Mm-hmm. And it's the person that you come home to every day and they're just there and they're lurking and you can't get away. Yeah. I cannot imagine. No. In September 2009, things were very much still the same. We have an email that she sent to a colleague at work dated on the 22nd of September, which says the following, quote, I was worth a million dollars dead and biking to work. You tell me how easy it would be to have an accident. I guess our main problem is I feel like I'm just an asset to be controlled. I make money. I take care of the house, kids, and put up with his crap. He could easily take me out. My turning point was around two years ago in June. My dad told me that I'm an abused wife. I just don't have bruises. So I've slowly been trying to turn things around. I've often said I wish he would cheat on me to make it easier to actually end things. End quote. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I just, I'm... Speechless. Yes. 
<laughs> Can I read that over again on yeah, the notes? This bit. Mm. Oh yeah, it reminded me because he wasn't even happy about his kids being fed. Of course, yeah. he's not going to care about his wife getting to work safely. Exactly. It's they're definitely things more than people, and it's clear he's picked that up off his dad. Yeah, they're, they're assets. That's, yeah, they're literally, literally things around to improve his life. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all the value is. Um, by November two thousand and nine, Susan became convinced that she was pregnant once again. She was feeling nauseated frequently and tired a lot. Oh no! She took multiple pregnancy tests, all of which were negative, including a blood test. Her dad, Chuck, told her to make sure that they had her blood tested for things other than pregnancy, as he believed something else was wrong with her. Yeah, that sounds like a... On the 16th of November, Mm. Josh did something extremely unusual. He told Susan that he loved her. For lots of married couples, this is not unusual at all. I told David I love him multiple times a day. You do. It's probably really annoying. Probably. But Josh obviously didn't as this was such strange behaviour that Susan emailed some of her friends that night to tell them about oh it. My she God. literally emailed her That's friends to say, oh my God, Josh told so me he sad. loved me. I think things are going well. It's no. fucking horrific. No, it's a massive it, red flag. I hate it it's, so much. I hate it. That is I've seen articles on several news sites claiming mm-hmm. that in this period of time, in the weeks around November and December, when Susan felt mysteriously sick all the time, yeah. that Josh was making Susan lots of smoothies. These smoothies were said to be, quote, elaborate with, quote, weird ingredients. However, I haven't been anything to find anything concrete as to whether this is true or not. It's just Mm. been reported on news sites that, oh, friends of Susan have said this and this. But I've not been able to find out who the friends are that said that. Mm. Or So it could be true. Yeah. It might not be. I just haven't been able to find a source. Mm. What we do know to be true, though, is that on the 6th of December 2009, Josh made Susan pancakes. A neighbour and friend of Susan, Giovanna Owings, has said that she came home with Susan on the 6th of December and Josh was making pancakes and eggs for dinner. It's not unusual for a husband to cook for his wife, but it was very unusual for Josh. Giovanna thought he was being sweet. Susan ate her pancakes and said that she suddenly felt extremely tired and went to bed. Mm. It was only 5pm and this would be the last time that Susan was ever seen again. And that is where we're going to leave this episode. All right. This is going to be two parts. Yeah. Um, that's all That's all the story I have. We've reached the end of the first chapter. But yeah, I'm going to try and get the second part written up and recorded mm-hmm. soon. Um, we're going to try and have episodes uploaded every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So then we have Storytime Sunday. Yeah, for our creepies. For our creepies. Our creepy sweeties. <laughs> we'll figure something we out. Love we'll, you guys. we'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, so we're going to try and have episodes up every Sunday for Storytime Sunday. I'll try and get this uploaded in time for Sunday this week. Mm. We'll try and get part two done for next Sunday. Because um, we love you. We do love you. I hope that you've enjoyed as much as you can enjoy listening to an awful story. I hope mm, that you've... Yes taken from it the important things to take from it yeah um i'm already looking forward to telling you the next part because there's so much still that we haven't got into and that we need to get into i'm excited because i have questions i bet you do like i yeah yeah like just why was he suddenly making effort 
That is immediately like, no, in the midst of a, no. Yeah. There's no good answer for that. There isn't. Like, a, oh, he decided to care genuinely. I know damn well that's not it. Yeah. We'll find out in part two. We'll find out in part two. So this is where we're going to leave you mm -hmm. for this week. The book is not closed. We've just bookmarked this chapter. That door is temporarily locked. The door is still temporarily locked, but I'm going to get to it next week. Gonna open it. And you guys. are gonna have to fucking listen to it. Yep. <laughs> so on that note, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye bye.